Good morning. Hey, hey, hey. It's Laura with Fight Like a Girl, always a survivor's tale. Hey, guys, it's been a hot minute. I've been going through it. When I recorded my last one, I just, it brought up a lot of feelings that I had to deal with and just needed to step away for a hot minute and and uh, do my job, work, and and get I guess I call it being like grounded with myself, like feeling comfortable in my own shoes again to be able to move forward. So I'm sorry it's been such a long time since I've recorded for uh, Fight Like a Girl. Um, in the meantime, let me tell you the things that have been going on, some of them. So number one, I got a tattoo on my right shoulder that has boxing gloves and it's colored in with the color peach, like my cancer. And, um, it says fight like a girl. So I got that in honor of my cancer, but also just in honor of this podcast and women that are, are fighting everywhere for things that they believe in or fighting to survive, um, to reconnect with oneself. So yeah, fight like a girl. Um, also, I'm on possible cancer scare right now. Hopefully it turns out to be not cancer, but um, had a, a blood marker come back elevated. And so moving forward with getting some tests done to make sure that, you know, if it is cancer, we're addressing it. If it's not, you know, yay, and just need to change a few things. Um, personally, cause I, I am really in touch with my body. I don't feel like I have cancer. I really don't. I think there's other things going on that I need to address, but it's not cancerous. Um, so fingers crossed, you know, send me good vibes and, and positive energies and yeah. So life, right? Life. I'm trying to think like, oh, guys, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. So this Saturday coming up, which would be today's June 11th. So this Saturday is June 17th. My business, Awakened Auras and Free Spirits, is going to be at Southern Eastern Idaho um, Pride that's in Pocatello, Idaho at Caldwell Park. And me and my team, which is my daughter-in-law and son, or sorry, my daughter and my son-in-law, um, they have both worked effortlessly, just, well, not effortlessly. They have just been working so hard to help me get this up and going. And my daughter has made t-shirts and the money that they have invested to help me get there. And I'm just in awe. And when I saw the t-shirts, I started crying because it was like my business is on the t-shirt and it's amazing feeling. Um, I have a flyer made up that also represents this podcast. And then my other podcast that I do with my best friend, what happens after dark. Um, so yeah, this is exciting for me. I am just like blown away. So I'm going to be doing tarot and Oracle card readings. And then also I am going to be selling crystal bags. Um, one, 
that so one set that I've done is going to be for protection. The other set is for abundance. This is kind of like a, a test run to see how we do with a booth at um, at a location. So I'm excited for that. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law are going to be selling bucket hats. My daughter makes amazing bucket hats. I actually have one that has mystic hands on it and stuff. So exciting times. Life is moving forward regardless what goes on. And, and for that, I am so extremely grateful and blessed in my life. So let's get going with the, with the podcast today. So, um, as always fight like a girl, a survivor's tale does not condone violence in any form. Um, let's go over, you know, what we, where we can get help at. So national domestic violence hotline is 1-800-799-7233. National suicide hotline is 988. And on that one, you can call or text child help 1-800-422-4453. And LGBTQIA help. It's called the Network Law Red and 1-800-832-1901. So again, you know, what is, why am I here? Why am I doing Fight Like a Girl, A Survivor's Tale? Biggest reason is because I am a survivor. I, I was a survivor of child abuse. I was a, I am, not was. I am a survivor of child abuse, domestic abuse, um, religion abuse. I mean, it, it, there's and PTSD from fighting cancer and, and all of that stuff. I do want to shout out to my website. So my website where you can find me at is fight like a girl, A L W A dot wix site that's w-i-x s-i-t-e dot com forward slash my hyphen site so go to my website all the numbers i just gave you there there's resources all the podcasts are there and how to contact me is also there because not only am i here to help i want to get other people's stories because You don't want to just hear me ramble on and I'm going to run out of stories eventually. And so it would be nice to be able to incorporate other survivor stories. So please, please again, send that to fight like a girl, a L W a dot wixsite dot com forward slash my site. If you want to email me directly, instead of going through the website, the email is fight like a girl always at gmail.com so fight like a girl always at gmail.com all right so let's get to it today i am going to be discussing um religion abuse that i experienced and i know everybody is different but i was i was born and raised well i wasn't born into it because my my mom was always uh Mormon, so the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She was always that, but was very inactive until I was eight years old, or maybe just before I turned eight. And so I wasn't born into it, but I, I mean, it's so close. So I'm going to say born and raised into this cult life. And, oh 
gosh. It's, um, I do want to say it was not always bad. Okay. It wasn't always bad, but when you're like knee deep into a cult, you don't see the abuse until you start to step away. You don't see the control until you start to move away from that, that situation. So, you know, my, my youth, I was in primary, you know, you go up front, you sing when they tell you, you do everything that they tell you to do. Your the songs you sing are like, you know, trust in the prophet. And I mean, it's all about, I'm going to say it, Jeffrey Warren vibes, you know, the guy from FLDS, uh, that's in, in, uh, prison for all the child abuse, but that is kind of like what the vibes are. Okay. Cause it's like, unless you've been in that, it's just like, it's brainwashing. Like every lesson is about, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you do this, you're going to be damned. If you do this, you're going to experience a horrible life here on earth. Okay. So, and I remember that, that just like being pounded into me and not being able to have a free thought for myself. So I'm getting it at church. You know, I go home, I have a very religious mother, so I'm getting it at home. It's like a nonstop just barrage of like, this is the way it is. These are the rules you're going to follow. Bam, 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 bam. So when I, when I got through primary turned 12 and then you're moving into what they call for girls, young women. And, um, I actually loved my time as a young woman in the church. Reasoning behind that is, um, because I had friends, um, I had the most amazing time and good experiences, uh, you know, I mean, we'd go to dances. I had this group of friends and we just would have so much fun. Um, and, but if I think about it, the lessons were still the same. Okay. So for girls, it's like, and I'm going to say this just the way it is. So for us, we were told if we do not dress modestly, we're basically asking to be raped. Okay. So if you did not wear like clothes that would be appropriate, which would be a skirt that is no more than like, you know, right at knee length, maybe an inch or two above knee length. Um, or if you wore tank tops or too revealing too dipped down in the front, then basically if you get raped, you were asking for it. That was the mentality. That's, that's a scare tactic tactic that was used to control us, to keep us in line and not allow us to have free expression. So in the LDS religion, you don't have to wear uniforms, but you're definitely expected to, to dress and behave a certain way. So I always struggled with that part. Not so much the dress code because I was like overweight. And so, you know, the more you can cover yourself, the better. Not now. I'm, I wear shorts and tank tops, even though my, my upper arms are probably the same size as some of your thighs. I don't care. Um, but back then I wouldn't have dressed like that, but the way I was a rebel was I never fit in like personality wise. 
I always wanted to push the boundaries. You know, we were always told not to laugh out loud, not to have like really loud laughter. And I was somebody who loved to laugh and joke and have a good time. And I felt like I couldn't be myself, like I was squashed. And I remember getting like a talking to from my leaders about the way that I would behave. And I wasn't a naughty person or a naughty child, not at all. Um, I was just loud and boisterous and telling jokes and yeah, so, and I would push the boundaries, like, if they wanted us to do something. Well, if I wasn't comfortable with that, I would fight back. I would argue and, and make my voice known. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to um, have to conform to what they wanted me to be, what they thought was an ideal young lady. Um, I've never been the ideal young lady. I remember when I went to get my um, ears pierced the second hole instead of just having one hole. And, oh, my gosh, thrown in my face over and over. President Hinckley, who was a prophet at that time, the leader of the LDS Church, said that young women are not to get any piercings except for like the first hole in your ear. Um, it's, it's highly frowned upon, et cetera, et cetera. No tattoos, you know, you're defiling your, your body, your temple. If you get a, a tattoo, um, just over and over cramming that down. And I remember when I was about, I want to say 17 or 18 and I went and got the second holes in my ears. And then I even went and got third holes. Um, I let the second and third ones close up regret it, regretfully, but I will get those done again. And I'm and now almost 54, but um, I remember coming home and the disappointment on my mom's face was enough to like knock over an elephant. Um the disapproving and then the lectures of you went against what the prophet said, you know, you, you are now on a path that is no longer righteous. You are, um, you're not going to be accepted into heaven because you've defiled your temple. I mean, all these crazy things. Okay. So I did end up letting those holes close up because you know, that pressure from family and church members that I did this horrible, awful thing. And I look back now and I'm like, dude, I put piercings in my ears. I didn't go out and slaughter a whole community. So these, but they, they promise into your head that if you do these type of things, you're going to hell. If you drink coffee, if you, pierce your body, if you tattoo your body, if you wear short, you know, clothing that's revealing, et cetera, et cetera, you're just, you're going to hell. You're not going to fit in. You're going to be ostracized. Um, 
which then leads to something. I'm just going to kind of just go through a, a few things, but there's a lot which would be a separate podcast. So I remember when I first met, um, by this time I was 22, I, I met my um, ex for the first time and, and stuff. And we started dating. Um, and in the LDS church, if you have premarital sex, that's like the nail in the coffin. That is like just there's nowhere to go now except down. So, and I did. I, you know, I engaged in premarital sex. And do I regret that? No, not at all. Um, and I will and be honest here, you guys are probably going to like drop your jaw off your face, but. I am 53, almost 54, and I have only been with one person in my whole life, which was Vince. He was the love of my life. And um, I remember when my, my mom sat me and Vince down, and she, she looked at me and she said, your light is gone. Your, um, your cotton not continents, your, um, your counted or whatever. Anyways, I had changed and I'm sitting there like, what the hell? Basically it was just trying to force, a, uh, like a, uh, confession out of me right there in front of Vince. Right. And so, uh, made me feel like shit. Like I was this piece of crap. There was nowhere. There's no way back after this. Um, and I remember how humiliated he was as well. And um, I was so embarrassed and I felt so dirty, which now I look back and I'm like, why, even as I looked then and started like questioning it, I was like, why am I being made to feel this way when I was with somebody that I loved? I wasn't out like, running the streets and just sleeping with every Tom, Dick and Harry, which if that's what you do, that's up to you. Not, you know, that wasn't my preference. And so when my mom did that, I was like, why are you condemning me? Number one, you do not have the right to judge me. And this is one of my biggest things with the LDS church too, is that if you have, the, they call it a very grievous sin. And if you have this grievous sin, then you have to go talk to the bishop. And I remember going to talk to the bishop and explaining to a man at a 22-year-old young, young woman what I had done. I had to go confess this. And sitting there and how uncomfortable I felt. And I was like, why, why am I being made to feel like this? It was just, it makes me sick even thinking about it. And that's one of the biggest things with the LDS church is if you do have these sins, you have to go confess it to a bishop, eye to eye. You have to talk to this person, eye to eye, and disclose everything. And I remember him asking me, why? How did it go? What did you feel? And these are very intimate questions, very intimate questions that was not, had nothing to do with him. And yet I was told this was the path I had to go. Did I stop? No. 
I love I I loved Vince with all my heart, and even with all the crap that went on in my marriage, it wasn't always bad. But he was still, and probably still is, like the love of my life. Um, you know, and I just. Gosh, I felt so awful. But here's the kicker. So in the LDS church, every first Sunday is what they call fast Sunday. And you in sacrament, which is like like maybe a mass to the Catholics. I'm not quite sure what that would be in other churches. Um, but it's like you get you have an opportunity as somebody in the member of the congregation to to go up to the podium and to um to say your testimony. So my dad was not super active. Like I've, I've told you stories about my dad. He was a monster, yada, yada, yada. And this one Sunday, I had actually convinced Vince to come to church with me. It was in Palm Springs, California. I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. And my dad gets up to bear his testimony. And my mom is like ecstatic. She's like, oh, my gosh. Oh. And, you know, and she's looking at me like, oh, you should be so proud of your father and, and stuff, you know. And so I'm just like sitting there. Vince is beside me. We're holding hands. We're just sitting there. And my dad opens his big fucking mouth. And the words that come out of his mouth are, I want to get up today. And number one, just tell my family how much I love them and how disappointed I am in Laura as she is engaging in premarital sex with Vince right there in front of the whole damn congregation announces that takes my, my life, which everybody's, you know, the Bishop, my mom, my dad have now deemed that as like this huge sin. So he's getting up there and he's, He's declaring what they look like, look at as sin to the whole damn con- congregation. Can you imagine being a 22 year old young woman sitting in a congregation of say a hundred people and your father goes to the front of these people and, and just shares this most intimate, precious part of your life. It damaged me on so many levels. Um, I started like receiving number one horrible looks. I mean, as soon as my dad said that, everybody turned around and looked at me because we always sat towards the back and everybody just kind of turned around and they were looking right at me. Um, I had uh, young women that were a little bit younger than me come up to me and say, how could you? You're a slut. You're not um, good enough to be here. I mean, I had um, moms pull their children away from me. Parents that used to let me babysit their children so I could make extra money. All of this stuff came at me at like, uh, like 80 miles per hour. And I, a sacrament meeting ended and Vince got me out of the church, which was hard because I literally had people just coming up to me and I sat in his truck and just cried. And I cried and cried and cried and thought, how can my dad do this to me with his own life, the way he was 
And if you go back and listen to my some uh, my other podcasts, you'll hear about my dad. And for him to stand up there and cast judgment on me in the front of a hundred people, and then those people casting judgment on me, I honestly feel like I I compared myself to the woman that was being stoned in the Bible and. That's how I felt. And that trauma, I mean, the trauma from having to disclose this most beautiful part of my life to a a bishop who I hardly knew and had him come down and, you know, just, you're you're not good. You're not good. And that's what it is. That's a lot of the LDS church. There's so much guilt that comes with being a member of that church. And they tell you over and over, well, if you're living righteously, you don't have any guilt. And that's bullshit. It's bullshit. Because if you do one little thing, heaven forbid, like right now, I've got my 32-ounce ice mocha. Heaven forbid you have um, a drink of coffee. You know, heaven forbid you use marijuana you know, for even a medical purpose. Um, you know, you have all these, these like rules and regulations. And, you know, if you do these things, the guilt that comes along with that, because they've ingrained in your brain so fucking much that if you do, if you step out of line at all, you're damned. You have to go confess to the bishop. You blah, 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 blah. And so the guilt that that followed me for a very long time, and I'll tell you guys, even now today, I've, been, I've stepped away from the church since about, I would say, 2016, deconstructing from that religion. Even now, if I go drinking with friends or family, I still have a little bit of guilt tied to that, you know, Oh gosh, am I really doing the right thing? And you know, that kind of guilt takes a long time to get over and to let it go and to just live your life for who you are. And you should not have to live a guilt ridden life and be told over and over again that you're not good enough. You're not good enough. I just, I really, really, really struggle with this. And um, it brings up a lot of anger in me still, even today. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really glad I stepped away from that cult life. And honestly, I look at people now and think they're so blind and I feel so bad for them. Um my brother's kids, I feel so bad for them. They're so brainwashed and it's so hard to become unbrainwashed, but I send out good vibes and good, you know, feelers out to those that are trying to deconstruct from any religion. You know, my experience is with the LDS religion. So probably, you know, like more goes out to that, to those people deconstructing Um, Just because that's been my experience and my background. Guys, it's always good to have like, I think it's good to have some kind of belief system. 
I think even if that's, you know, whatever you, whatever that belief system looks like, that's good. I, I feel like we all have to have that. Like, you know, I still believe that Jesus Christ, you know, is he, he was a savior. He came and he helped so many people. You know, I, I still believe in, um, mother Gaia and the, and the earth and how she's just like, you know, the nurture and mother of the earth. I love Lord Ganesha. I love the monks. I love Buddha and all of these things are now part of my life. And I don't necessarily really pray to any of them because I, I pray to God still. I, I'll be honest. I still believe that there is that divine. Um, but the feelings and peace that like Buddha and stuff has brought into my life is, I just love it. I feel such tranquility and peace from all of it. Um, and that's another thing, you know, in the Mormon church, basically, I remember when I moved into this apartment I'm in now, my mom walked in after I got it decorated and I have a lot of elephants. I love elephants. And she straight up asked me, so you, so what do you do? Worship elephants and Buddha now? And like, I'm supposed to, and I immediately started feeling guilty, right? Cause that went back to like the church, like, you know, you, you can't have statues and things like this. And at, when she left that day, I'm like, why did I feel guilty in my own house? You know, hello anyways. But so that's a little bit of my religious trauma and stories to share. And like I said, it wasn't always bad, but when you start to deconstruct you and you look back, you see all the things that were like grooming you to be in this cult. That's a good word. Grooming. Um, and that's what it was, was grooming, grooming you to be in the church. So that's going to be it for this podcast because we're right at 30 minutes. But again, uh, my email, so you can send me your stories and thoughts is fight like a girl, a L W a dot Wix site.com forward slash my hyphen site. Um, email me your stories, email me, you know, what you want me to talk about or share. And let's create this community of fighting like girls and being strong women together and being empowered to be someone who is empowered is a good thing because it helps you to be strong and stand up and heal, heal the past, heal that past. Um, all right, guys. It's been awesome. I love you all. I, I just, I love you all. So keep it real. Keep fighting. Be a survivor. Be a survivor. Bye.